Welcome to The Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church for their example, taking a deeper look into how they serve the Lord so that we can follow that example and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that they have. We do that by looking at Scripture. We don't filter it down. We don't water it down. We take it as it was written, as it was intended. And I believe in the process, we regain that fire of the day of Pentecost because I believe it's still in effect. It has not ended. As long as the church is here, the fire still falls. And once it's in inside of you, it's there permanently. So we are going to activate it. We're going to learn about it. And we're going to put it into practice. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. On solomonsporch.org is that website. You'd like to contact us to go there or go to firefalltalkradio.com and use the contact button. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site. That is the main streaming site for Firefall Talk Radio, although we still post at the Blog Talk Radio site, iTunes, which will soon become Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Three weeks away from our meeting in Orlando, Florida, Saturday, July 27th. If you're coming in and plan to stay, you better book that rate, $79, plus tax and fees. You book it by this Friday or it won't be available, and then that rate will double, possibly even triple. That's peak summer time. Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32819. Call 800-999-8585. Tell them you're coming to the C conference and the booking ID is 68136. And if you're coming, make sure we know so that we can set you up. Make sure you have a seat. Go to firefallmediagroup.com or facebook.com firefallmediagroup. Let us know that you're coming. Save you a seat. Some of you have. Or email us at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com. Put C conference in the subject matter and just say, save me a seat and put your name in there. Praying that everyone's supposed to be there in tens, and I'm asking you to intercede. The warfare has increased the closer we get to the event. People that are coming, people that know they need to be there, are getting a lot of pressure from the enemy not to come or, or having things happen to them. So, even if you're not coming, I'm asking you to intercede. Maybe you want to sponsor or help support, pick up some of the expenses for people that are coming. Fourth of July is tomorrow, which would make sense since today's the 3rd of July. Celebrating our American independence. It's a day of safety, which at least I hope it will be. I hope you don't play with the fireworks. I know our furry kids don't like them, and we're right smack dab in the middle of it with Universal right down the road. I pray it's a day of respect where we respect and honor the flag and the country that we live in regardless of our differences. And I pray that we remember what the men and women from that time many years ago did so that we could be free. We're losing those freedoms every day as we speak, but that's another show. Probably an Overwatch broadcast may sneak in this weekend. You just never know. Praise reports, prayer requests. Well, of course, I praise the Lord for my salvation. Otherwise, I don't have anything else I'm talking about. I praise him for my home, my wonderful wife, who, like I say, and I don't mean it's a joke, being married to me, doing what I do for the kingdom, 
is not easy. So I, I praise her and I pray that you pray for her. Um, I praise him for my family, my son's daughter-in-law, my wonderful, wonderful grandson. Uh, our furry kids and everything that we have, all this technology, the space and everything that we're doing. I praise him for his protection, for his love, for his grace, his mercy. I praise him for this ministry. Boy, I can tell you what, the Spirit just hit me about a second ago. You heard it when I went to say mercy. I am um, going to be a good one. I praise him for this ministry that he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions and everything that he's been sharing, especially getting ready for this sea conference, which I've already been doing. I praise him for his healing virtues. Folks, they're still available to us. Claim them, believe them, and receive them. I praise him just to be able to praise him. I will sit in here, and I did it today. had the praise and worship music cranked up, making a joyful noise unto the Lord. I praise him for living in these prophetic times as a new creation, as someone with his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am looking forward to seeing him face to face. And I praise him for America, where we can still do this, where we still have the freedom to worship him as we please. And I also praise him that he's getting ready to return. So let's get ready. Praise him for the favor and the revelation and everything that he's doing right now, even the things that we're about to pray about, like the Middle East, Israel, peace of Jerusalem, Everything that's going on with Iran and Syria and all the rumblings simply tell me we're getting closer to that moment in time. Everything I'm seeing going on in politics, technology, in the paranormal, in uh, entertainment, all telling me that we're getting ready for the return of the king. So let's pray. Pray for the salvation of our loved ones, that they would be saved, healed, and delivered. Pray for the fatherless and the widows and the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and furry. Victims of injustice, I pray for them. I pray for the victims of, of uh, sex trafficking, the, the young boys, the young girls, the women, the ugliness that the enemy has gotten away with. For the religious persecution of our brothers and sisters around the world, Jewish and Christian. I pray for and I pray against the slaughter of the innocents. That it really a couple of things I have focused on in my prayer life and in my warfare is the slaughter of the innocents in the womb. No nation can claim it knows and loves the Lord, killing babies the way we do. And all of the perversion and all of the debauchery and everything the enemy is doing. It grieves me, it inspires me, and that's why we pray for SRT to hit the road, get out there and do what we do. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing in each and every one of you and in me and my family and everybody that we love. Let's get back to our divine design. One of the things I'm going to be talking about on that Saturday in Orlando was new information the Lord has revealed to me just over the last couple of days about our divine design and what he intended for us. And I'm praying for the healing of those that are sick and injured, praying for your protection, praying for your inspiration, for the fire of the the Lord to rise up inside of you, for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you have a calling, if you have a talent, if you have something you can do, then let's do it. If If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. We need your help. SRT needs your help. Firefall, the porch, everything that we're trying to do is an independent entity. This resistance effort against the fallen. We need your help, so pray for that. 
that we would be blessed and that the conduits of his blessings would open. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando, healing and restoration and favor in some of the things that we have that we're dealing with. Um, pray for Pastor Shelley, my mentor, spiritual father. You hear me talk about him. You've read about him in my book. I uh, went to Israel recently. He's 90 years old, came back, and he's having a tough time recovering physically from the trip. And in the middle of that, he lost his sister, who happened to be 94, last remaining sibling. And his daughter told me he's taking it pretty tough. So keep him in your prayers. Nick in Dallas said he's like the persistent widow in Luke 18, and he's crying out for justice from his adversary. This adversary, of course, is the enemy, and it's a besetting sin that he has struggled with and he's fighting with, and he's asking you to intercede on his behalf. He's also praying for the Lord to deliver the woman that is called to be his mate and that he is supposed to be with. He's asking for prayer for his father, who is having hearing issues. The hearing aids are not helping. He's frustrated. He's stuck at home. So please pray for his healing and for his peace and deliverance from what he's dealing with. Stacy in Texas going through some stuff, folks. Keep her and her family in your prayers. Unspoken prayer request for her and her family. You know, I hope that you're doing this. I, I do this every week. It's a commitment to praise and prayer. It's a commitment to the feeling of unity and, and the community that we've created here. Um, I pray for these people every day. I pray for them when, when I get their reports. I hope you listen and do the same, that you offer up a prayer and remember them during your days when you pray. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she praises God for waking her up sober this morning and every morning now for almost three years. Praise the Lord for that, how great he is. She says, I praise him for loving me and saving my soul. I praise him for my children, she says, my family, my friend Stacy, my dog Bruno, this ministry, and, of course, for providing for us. She says, Father, please continue to protect my children and everybody mentioned above. Save my husband and mother's soul, which is the most important thing of all. Deliver my children and I. Heal our hearts, minds, and spirits. Protect us from any form of the enemy's attacks. So, Father, I declare that we serve you. He's making a declaration. This is really powerful. I declare that we serve you. Father, I continue to pray for a financial breakthrough. How do I fix this? Where do I start? I'm giving this to you because I cannot carry it in Yeshua's name. She's going through some tough times, as many of us are. If you would like to help Kim in Fort Mitchell, you send, reach out to me or just go to the Firefall Talk Radio or the Firefall Media Group, one of the sites that has the PayPal donation button and market for Kim in Fort Mitchell, and I'll make sure that she gets it. We want to help one another. We want to bless one another. As this grows, as the blessings come in, folks, there's some really exciting things that my brother Larry and I have been praying about almost every day, and when they happen... We are going to shake this world one last time before the return of the king. So, Father, we just come to you now as your children. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We need you. We are desperate for you. We are desperate for your help. We're desperate for your love. We're desperate for your embrace, your deliverance. We're desperate for your angels to come and your blessings to flow and healing in our bodies. You're all that we have, Father. You are all that we have, Lord. Without you, we are and have nothing. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit from the upper room. 
So right now, we pray, first of all, the peace that surpasses all understanding to envelop our heart, mind, souls, and spirit. We pray for you to touch us in the areas of our lives that need to be touched. We pray for deliverance from the things that the enemy has gotten control of. Father, right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, I bind the fallen, I bind their demonic offspring, I bind every angel all the way up to Hasatan himself that has fallen and disobeyed you and is wrecking havoc on your kingdom and your children. We join together in one voice, one heart, one soul, one spirit, and we say no more. No more. Loose us and let us go. Return sevenfold everything that you've stolen from us and get out of our lives. We are bought with the price. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus, Yeshua, is our Lord and our Savior. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the technology. Thank you for your word. And I say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do it what you will this night on the porch. In Yeshua's name, amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby and guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. What's this got to do with the abiding kingdom? Well, that's the beginning, folks. That's the beginning of the good news. See, the abiding kingdom of God is about the good news, it's about the gospel. And the birth of the Messiah was good news to all men. It was the fulfillment of prophecy, Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. The year of Jubilee. The good news, the gospel, Yeshua, Jesus, he not only brought the good news, he was the good news. The abiding kingdom of God is one of the good news of salvation having come for everyone. And he not only preached it, he demonstrated the manifestation of the kingdom of God in his power over the forces of nature and saving his fearful disciples and casting out of demonic spirits when he healed the woman with the issue of blood who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and every other miracle that was in the, in the Bible and some that we don't even know about because they didn't list them all. So he wasn't just the good news. He brought the good news. He spoke the good news, and he showed it in word and deed and action, not by word only. 
Boy, do we need that now. That's what this is about. That's what the porch is about. That's what I hope the end result of the sea conference is about, is that you leave there, you leave your bondages behind, you leave the chains behind. Whatever whatever is inside of you that's not supposed to be there is gone, that you have eyes to see, that you have ears to hear, that you understand what you need to understand and go out and get the job done and tell the people about the good news. The good news is... That someone died for your sins. That your debt has been paid. And all you have to do is accept the payment of that death. Make him Lord of your life. That's good news. You're dying. You're sick. You have a terminal disease called sin and death. You will be separated eternally from your heavenly Father. Well, I've got good news. I have the antidote. A bloody cross on a hill called Calvary. And a man whose body's no longer on that cross or in that tomb. Paul, in similar fashion, described how he had been used to win obedience from the Gentiles by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, and to have fully proclaimed the good news of Messiah. That's Romans fifteen, eighteen and 19. This is what he said, For I will dare not speak of any of those things which Messiah has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Messiah. See, that's what evangelism is. Evangelism has to do with the proclamation of the message of good news. See, you're an evangelist every time you tell someone about the gospel. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to a building. You don't have to get certified. You don't have to get stamped. Nobody has to give you their approval. You can be an evangelist of the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. And by adding biblical signs and wonders to it, you confirm that gospel. See, Evangelism is a ministry, and ministry is a service within the church that uses both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit to benefit others. See, that's what the Word is about. We've gotten too caught up in the show. We've gotten too caught up in, in eggheads and teaching. We have forgotten the simplicity of the gospel. We have forgotten what the example was that the Lord gave us and the disciples gave us. It's not that complicated. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Now, there, these are the gifts that Messiah gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Messiah. And this will continue until we've all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Messiah. The Amplified of Ephesians 4.12 is his intention, his being the Lord, his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Messiah's body, the church. See, the example wasn't for one person to stand up on a pulpit. It wasn't for a staff. It was for all of us to do this. That has been the goal of the porch. 
That's been the goal of everything that I'm a part of is to empower others to do what needs to be done for the kingdom of God. I don't want you dependent upon me. I don't want you to depend to be dependent upon anything but the Holy Spirit and to be able to plug in together with the rest of us to do what needs to be done. So the word evangelist translates as gospel, euagelion. But the word evangelist, really, the one who brings the good tidings, is a euagelistes. See, this, this whole Greek thing is really important. You want to know why? Because, first of all, the Bible wasn't originally written in Greek. What we have was, was written first the Hebrew Bible, then there was Aramaic, and then the Greek came later as they translated it for the world once Paul went out. And we've lost some of the original understanding. There was no Bible except the Old Testament. The letters and the gospel and everything you and I hold in our hand right now came about a hundred years later. The gospel they were preaching was the message that Yeshua gave them when he walked the earth and they confirmed it with the Old Testament. But see, God was an evangelist. Did you know that? He preached the gospel to Abraham. That's what Paul says in Galatians 3.8. And the scripture, foreshadowing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham before saying, In all, nations you shall, in all the nations you shall be blessed. See, he was telling them about the good news of a coming Messiah. And then, of course, we know that Yeshua, in Luke 20, verse 1, and it happened in those days, he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God, that the chief priests and scribes together with the elders confronted him. You see, religion doesn't want good news. I, I'm sorry, but religion doesn't want good news. It doesn't want the purity of the gospel. It wants bondage. It wants you dependent upon them. And, of course, Paul was an evangelist as well as an apostle, Romans 1.15. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. The Amplified hits it a little harder. So for my part, he says, I am willing and eagerly ready to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Messiah, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That ties right into what the angel said that day in Bethlehem. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Well, where is that great joy? Uh, really, where is it? Right now, the church is caught up in everything but the good news. Philip the deacon was an evangelist. We've talked about him. Acts 21, Timothy pastor is an evangelist. That's how this all started, and we're going to get back to that. And you know that the disciples, after Acts 8-4, they were scattered and went everywhere preaching the word. They were evangelists. See, he gave, he, who, who's he? The Lord. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And what an evangelist, well, the person who has that office, 
He equips and encourages believers to share the good news. I guess in many ways I have become, among everything else, I've been an evangelist. I've watched my ministry from the day I got saved and how he has trained me and used me and how I studied under Shelley and then went out on, you know, the home church. It has been a process as he has trained me in each phase of ministry. And now I know one thing only. Yeshua and him crucified. Oh, I, I, I know a lot of other things, but that's really the focus of everything. Getting people saved, healed, and delivered. Good news, folks. The kingdom of God is good news. We saw it in Psalms 40, verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. We need more of that. We need less religion and more good news. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Interesting thing I found out today. I kind of knew this, but I forgot it, but I want to share it with you. In the earliest English editions of the Bible, they used the Anglo-Saxon word Godspell, G-O-D-S-P-E-L-L, to translate the noun Euagelion, which is gospel good news. What it meant was Godspell meant the story about a God. And it was used as the story about Yeshua and the good news. Well, as the English language developed, it got shortened to gospel, and the Anglo-Saxon meaning was lost. The Hebrew word to proclaim the good news is Bashar. It's always been there. From Genesis all the way through to the end in Revelation is good news. But the word euagelion, the Greek word, is specifically about the good news of Yeshua. Where, where, I, you know, I keep asking this question. I keep hearing it in my spirit. Where is that good news? I see people on social media talk about their churches. They talk about their pastor much more than I think they should. They talk about their denomination. They talk about this and that and this and that, but they don't really talk a whole lot about the good news. I have discovered this principle of life, this good news. And why do I need good news? I'm about to tell you, Romans 7. The world needs good news because of what I'm about to tell you. You taking notes? Or... You're downloading this because I'm about to give you the key as to why the good news is so important. This is Paul preaching to the church in Rome, the last letter he wrote. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 
Thank God the answer is in Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. See, that's why people need a good news. That's sinful nature. Iniquity is inbred sin. It's sin that's been passed down. It's sin that's in the DNA. And when you become born again, something should happen. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, there should be some kind of a dynamic event. And you become born again. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Some new stuff about the heart and the mind and how the body was designed to be in perpetual communication with him and how we were supposed to walk in this supernatural ability and be naturally supernatural. But the good news is there's a bad situation. And the bad situation is that humans find themselves in need of good news because sin has entered their lives. Sin is a power that controls them and shapes their destinies. Sin is a power that cannot be underestimated. We cannot overlook it. In fact, without Yeshua, without the Lord, without being born again, we are helpless to overcome its grip on our lives. Yeah, Romans seven twenty four in the New King James, I read the New Living Translation, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, Paul was making an allusion there that you need to see in your mind when you read Romans 7.24. It was an ancient custom of tyrants and dictators who would bind the dead body, a dead body, a decaying body, to a living man and force him to carry it around until he died of the contagions from the decaying flesh. See, that's the illustration Paul is giving. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Folks, we are the walking dead. The church has become the walking dead. But we, initially, we're walking dead from the moment we're born. And we cry, and we're out of our mother's womb. If the world doesn't kill us at that moment, we're walking dead. We're dying moment to moment until we become born again. And we are carrying around a body that is decaying and dying. And sooner or later... The cells will stop replicating, and that'll be it. But Paul had encouragement, 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, we do not lose heart, for even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. How do you get renewed? You get in the Word, and I don't mean just kind of a sprinkling of the Word. If you were dying of thirst... And somebody gave you all this water, would you just kind of sprinkle some water in your mouth? Would you take a nice big gulp and a big drink and as much as you could possibly stand? If you're having problems, if you need deliverance, if you need help, you need to get into the Word. I mean, really into it. And be renewed day by day. Get in prayer. Until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, nothing's going to happen. Ephesians 3.16, that he, capital H, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. There's your key. His spirit strengthening your inner man. If you're trying to do it on your own, eh, not going to happen. 
his spirit, but his spirit's not going to hang out in a house that's not dedicated to him. He he doesn't do the roommate thing. If you got other things going on in there, and if you have stuff that you're doing that the Holy Spirit doesn't agree with, he, he he'll just kind of wait. We must change. See, abiding in the kingdom of God requires change. That means in our soul, which is the seat of our feeling, seat of our feelings, emotions, and desires. Paul not only knew the will of God, he desired to do the will of God. And then he willed himself to do it. Have you ever seen one of those marathons where people are almost there, they're almost to the finish line, and then they collapse and their body quits on them? The majority of them crawl. They pull themselves. They do whatever it takes to get to the finish line and finish that race. That's that will, that will to finish. It's that will that took him to the cross. It's that will that let him put the nails through his wrist to a piece of wood and then through his ankles. It's that will that allowed them to do what they did to him. You've been forgiven. You've been set free from sin. That's good news. I have good news. Good news for me was on October 9th, 1988. Forgiving my sins, forgiving me for abandoning my family and all the things that I had done in violation of his laws. I got saved, healed, and delivered, and he gave me back my family. And then he asked me to come work for him in the family business. And then he trained me and brought people into my life to help train me. And then he said, hey, I got some gifts for you. Use as many as you'd like. That's good news. Because it's only through Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, his message and his story that we tell the gospel. It's not about any other story. It's not not about any other book. It's not about all of this other stuff. It's a simple story. Which takes us back to where this lesson started on the abiding kingdom. 2 Timothy 4, starting verse 1. I'm going to read you the Amplified as we move on here. I charge you in the absence of God and of Messiah Yeshua, who is the judge of living and the dead, and by, in the light of his coming in his kingdom, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand, be ready. And whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you, as preacher of the word, are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, they will not endure sound, and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another, to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold, 
and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myth and man-made fiction. As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Do the work of an evangelist fully perform all the duties of your ministry. This is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He's telling him, Timothy, you need to be alert. And you need to be ready to preach God's word. See, that New Testament word I've been sharing with you, euangelion, was really about oral communication, was never about a document or pieces of literature. And it actually wasn't the beginning of the second century that the writings of the church fathers, do we find the gospels you and I now hold in our hand, and the God, the word gospel indicating written documents, plural. I wonder how much simpler it would have been just doing it that way. But God had a plan. He allowed it. He blessed it. And he has used it. So here we are. Sound teaching. A purity in the word. It's not always going to be tolerated, nor is it always wanted. And that really makes no sense to me. Let me go back to the water illustration. You tell me you're really thirsty, and I hand you a glass of dirty water. You, You wouldn't drink that, would you? Then why are people so quick to accept a dirty word? Because that's what compromised ungodly scripture is. That's what apostasy is. But people are looking for that dirty water. They're looking for teachers that will tell them what they want to hear and what makes them feel good. Oh, don't tell me that fornication is a sin or any of these other sins listed here. No, no, no. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. That's not grace, grace, all is grace. God loves me just the way I am. Yeah, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. That's why he died on the cross. The whole sin, blood, forgiveness, death, resurrection thing. They so cheapen the cross through their cheap grace that I seriously question whether they're born again. See, Paul is underscoring a command to Timothy that was vital in that time, which is just Decades after the death and resurrection of the Lord, here we are, 2,000 years later, almost. We're close. And it's still happening. The enemy was brilliant. He knew he couldn't stop the flow of water. He knew he couldn't stop the fire. He knew he couldn't stop the word, so he had to corrupt it. He had to poison it. He had to weaken it. But Paul's telling Timothy, preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's going on. Be ready to take a stand. We're right in the middle of a season here in time. In this world, where taking a stand is really, really not appreciated. So much show, so you could get banned off social media. You could possibly even be put in jail. It's happening around the world. It's happening in other places, and it's not just preaching about one sin. It's preaching about 
anything will get you put in jail. But the kind of teaching that Timothy was doing and Paul was doing is very specific. It takes some maturity. It takes, a, you know, a calling to do that. That's why James 3.1, many of you should not become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Every time I hear a false teacher, every time I see a false preacher, every time I see what's really going on out there and people are accepting it, I, I feel bad for them, but I feel worse for those teachers because they're going to stand before him and he's going to judge them for what they've done. So it takes patience. It takes compassion, but it takes something else. Let me share a story I just read today. A number of years ago, a John Hopkins University professor asked his graduate students to locate 200 boys ages 12 to 16 and research their family backgrounds. And the assignment was then to predict their future. The graduates were sent to the slum area of the city to find the boys. The conclusion reached by the graduate students about the 200 boys was 90% of those they researched would spend time in jail. Well, the final chapter of the study was not completed until 25 years later. And when the original 200 students were sought, 25 years later, John Hopkins sent out researchers, and they found 180 of the original 200. And what they found amazed them. Only four had ever been to jail. The prediction had been 90% of the 200, but only four. And what caused this figure to be so low. What really struck them, and they wanted to find out, and they asked around, and they asked the students, and every student said, well, there was this one teacher. And pressed further, the researchers found that the teacher in all the cases was one and the same, and they'd all been influenced by this teacher. So the graduate students traced down that teacher who was living in a retirement home, and asked her about her remarkable influence over these group of boys and how a life that they predicted would be headed towards crime had never happened. And she said, I, I really don't have an answer about what did that. But she did mention, but I truly loved my students. Love was the difference. See, if you're going to be a teacher, you have to love people even when they're unlovable. You have to be patient. You have to be kind. You have to have all the fruit of the Spirit going on. Even when they don't want to hear the truth. Even when they turn against you. Even when they criticize you. Showing them the love of the Lord will be the thing that causes them to change. That was what got me it wasn't what Shelley did. I mean, it wasn't what he said. It was what he did. He showed me compassion. He showed me love. That's what it's going to take to do what I'm talking about. That's what it's going to take to undo what the enemy's doing right now in the world. Being judgmental doesn't work. Being critical doesn't work. Although... They are in sin, although their their sin may be disgusting, may be um, upsetting. You have to see them with the Lord's eyes, see them in the bondage, see the spirit that's making them do it, and feel compassion for, for them. But be ready. 
the church may not want to hear what you have to say. You can say, I was, I was talking about the church. You thought I was talking about the lost and dying world. Out of the more than 300 deliverances I've done, and probably way more, I just stopped counting. The majority of them were people that were sitting in a pew somewhere, thinking they were born again, thinking that they were good and all right with God. Timothy, there's going to be widespread evil. And the struggle's going to go on until the last days. Because in 2 Timothy, this is what Paul tells Timothy. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Paul's talking about the church. Wickedness will become incarnate and will show itself in many ways. Stay, stay away from that. But you know what? Be ready to preach the word in season and out. Convict, rebuke, encourage, with all long-suffering. Wait a second, Paul. You're telling me stay away from this stuff, and then you're telling me I've got to do this anyway. Yeah, that's what he's telling you. He goes on in 2 Timothy 3, verses 6 through 9. For of this sort, all the people he mentioned in 1 through 5, all this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Wow, there's televangelist in a nutshell. Now as Johns and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs also was. This is what I'm trying to get across to you about this abiding kingdom of God. And doing everything what I'm talking about is there's going to be resistance there's going to be interference by the enemy to attack the word and sound teaching. That's the fact. The fact is, people really don't want to hear what you have to say until they know that they need what you have to say. As a brother of mine that used to be a, a part of this and come on occasionally, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And all they had was the Old Testament. That was their inspired, God-breathed word. That was what they were using. They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have all the commentaries and all the software and all of this and all of that. And to be honest with you, some of it could be done without. There was simplicity. I know one thing and one thing only. Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and Him crucified. But in Timothy's day, you know what else they had beside the Old Testament word? They had the writings of the so-called mystery religions of the day, like Simon Magus and his universal church in Rome. 
They had the records of the pagan philosophers. They had the schools of thought like the Gnostics. They had all this competition to the simple, pure word. And in the midst of all of that, Paul says, make the scriptures be your guide. Time has proven them that God inspired them. So here we are, July 3rd, 2019. We've come to a time when people really won't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Go into any Christian bookstore turn and look at the number of books and the number of authors. Look, Go into any, any YouTube or go online. There are so many teachers that are having so little effect on the world. I sit there and I shake my head, and I'm almost embarrassed to do this. Not because I'm embarrassed by the word or anything else I do. I'm just embarrassed how ineffective we are. But then I realized what Paul was telling Timothy. People really don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the red-letter basics. But the ones that do will listen. So these are the characteristics of the last days. There are six of them in Second Timothy 4. They will not endure sound doctrine. They will increase in lust and sins. Do you know there are people that claim to be Christians, claim to be believers, that believe that sexual immorality is okay, that fornication is okay, that multiple partners, polyamory and polygamy is okay, they twist scripture to do it? They will add one teacher after another, wander from one church to another church to find those who will accept their sinful lifestyle and won't preach against it. And they'll have itching ears and desire speakers who will tickle those ears and excuse their passions and their sins in the name of religion. We, we were watching one of those crime reality shows the other night about cults, and they love to really bash the false teachers and the false churches. And I listen to the victims, and they really, you know, they really make the preachers who are bad look worse. But at no time does anybody ever ask these people who have been victimized, which I would love to do, did you ever open a Bible for yourself to find out if what you were being told was the truth, if what you were being asked to do and what you did was biblical? Which is why whenever I teach anywhere I go, I make it line up with the Word. I don't make the Word line up with my teaching. I make my teaching line up with the Word. The other thing they'll do is they'll turn their ears away, this last day's characteristics. Well, they, they don't want to hear anything that's going to convict them. They don't want anything that's going to demand a wholehearted consecration of their life and their heart and their love to the Messiah. And the last thing is they want to hear fables and they want false religions that can, they can put the Christian label on that will pamper their flesh and condone their choices. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you, therefore, before God and Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord Jesus the Messiah, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. 1 Timothy 6.14, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus the Messiah's appearing. 2 Peter 3.17, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest any of you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. His appearing, the shining forth. That word is epiphany. That's what that means. The epiphany of Yeshua, the shining forth. 
the first coming. He came into the world as a man, second coming. He's coming as the King of kings, Lord of lords. There is no more baby Jesus. Stop the foolishness. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. He's coming back to whip some demon fallen angel butt. Yeah, I know, that kind of brings it down to a uh, maybe a disrespectful level, but yeah, that's what he's going to do. And I'm going to be cheering. But what does it really come back to? Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. For as the lightning comes from the east, <coughs> excuse me, and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Started with light, it's going to end with light. A flash of light started it. A flash of lightning is going to end it. <coughs> Let no one deceive you. By any means. For that day, the one I just talked about, will not come unless the falling away, which we've been talking about, comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Folks, we're in the apostasy. We're in the falling away. There are some big names, men and women preachers, that are making six- and seven-figure income. There are churches and, and music groups filling stadiums that are a part of the apostasy. Here's what I ask you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Have eyes to see and ears to hear. To know if what you're hearing is a pleasing to him and is of him. Because the abiding kingdom of God, the one that I've been talking about, is going to usher in the light, the capital L. He's going to bring it. It's going to dispel all the darkness. I have no sympathy for Satan and his angels. I have no sympathy for the watchers that fell on Mount Hermon. I have no sympathy for their demonic offspring. I have no sympathy for the men and women of the pre-flood era that chose the fallen angels over the living God. None whatsoever. I have sympathy for those that are still here, that are suffering, that have been deceived, that somebody hasn't told them the truth, somebody hasn't laid hands on them and delivered them, somebody hasn't shown them the love and the light of the Lord. Because you know what? In the abiding kingdom of God, there can be no hindrance or dimmer switch on this light. If you've been around me long enough to know, you know there's no dimmer switch on this light. But there's a lot of love in this heart for people that are bound. So, Father, I come to you now in the name of your Son, Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, Messiah. I come to you in the light and the love of the gospel. I come to you in the purity of your word. And I say, set the captives free, Lord. Let's live out Luke 4.18. Let's go show the world the real gospel. Let's do it one last time so that the return of the king, we can celebrate it. The marriage supper of the Lamb, the, the, the entrance into Jerusalem, the, the, the crushing of the fallen, the consuming Hasatan with the glory. Whew. To hear that shofar sound. But Lord, please, right now, bless us. Inspire us, fill us, provide for us. 
as I say with my brother Larry, let, let us run and gun. Let us go do what you called us to do. For every one of you that's listening, you're, if you're in bondage to something right now, and I don't ever do this and, and, and decide, just raise your hands and say, Lord, heal me and deliver me. Take every unclean thing out of me. Holy Spirit, have your way. Search me from head to toe. And if you find anything that doesn't belong to the kingdom of God, take it. Consume it in the fire of your presence. Save me. I make you Lord of my life. I accept what you did for me on the cross. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Drive out of me every unholy thing so that you don't have to share this temple. I don't want you to be a roommate with anything left of me. Let this dead body that I've been carrying around be taken from me. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you completely. I want to have everything that you promised for me to have. Heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I thank you by faith. I thank you right now for my provision. I thank you right now for my healing. I thank you right now for my deliverance. I thank you right now for my name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I pray this, and I touch and agree with everybody else praying with me. In Jesus' name, amen. See, folks, this is what the gospel is about. This is what the good news is about. It's about knowing who your daddy is, who your Abba is. It's about knowing the price that was paid for you on the cross and never forgetting it, but also knowing that you are born again. You are different. You are a new creation. You have been transformed. You are no longer conformed to this world. And I pray that you have that. I pray that you walk in it, and I pray that you receive it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.